Chicago. This is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Dean Alatis Democrat Georgia Logothides, and Republican Chris Veronis. Our program is coming to you from the Radio Hall of Fame in Chicago in the Paul and Angel Harvey Radio Studio. Nice to have you with us this evening. We'll take calls and open up our discussion in just a moment, but I want to begin with a brief uh, update on what happened yesterday in the great state of Nevada. They had their caucus there yesterday, and although they only have about 50% of those uh, voters already tabulated, uh, here is what the networks are reporting as the finals. Bernie Sanders winning, winning handily with 46.6%. Joe Biden in second place at 19.2%. Pete Buttigieg in third place, 154 Elizabeth Warren at 10.3, and Amy Klobuchar at 4.5. So those are uh, the way things are standing right now. It clearly indicates that Bernie Sanders is the front-runner for the Democratic nomination. We've heard from over a month now from Joe Biden's campaign that South Carolina was going to be his big firewall because of the large African-American vote. He's counting on that significantly, although the the African-American vote, although not real large in Nevada, was pretty much split between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. And the other thing about Bernie Sanders, he won no matter how you diced it and sliced the demographics. I mean, he was winning in all demographic groups, including with people who consider themselves conservative Democrats. So he's doing very well. He clearly is the front runner uh, for the Democratic nomination. And our guests that we begin our program with this evening, uh, they all have something in common. Two things. They're all Greek Americans, 100% Greek on both sides. (laughs) And all of them, two are Democrats, one is a Republican. At this moment, they are all undecided. One person is undecided between Donald Trump and the Democratic field. The other Democrats are decided within the Democratic field. Still, they don't quite know what they want. So let's go to Georgia Logothides. Georgia, you've been a guest on this program for uh, probably almost 10 years now with with Daily Costs. Nice to have you with us. You were... uh, You were single when you joined the show, and now you're a mother of two. Yes. With a big smile on your face. Big smile on my face. I have always assumed that you were a Bernie Sanders supporter because you're very progressive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where are you now? You're not for. You're not decided. Yeah, I'm not decided. I'm not opposed necessarily to Bernie, but I think that the Democratic field um, has a wide range of options, and depending on what your preference is, there's something for everyone. And for me, I'm a pragmatist at heart, and so I look at. Um, Vice President Biden, and I think that he has excellent poll numbers against Trump in these battleground states. I think when you look at the demographics, you know, most people that go to the polls in general election are over the age of 60. He mm-hmm. polls extraordinarily well with that group. And so as a pragmatist, you know, and, and he's a solid Democrat. He's done a lot for the party. I think that, um, you know, I, I like that part of the of the Biden appeal. But at the same time, I'm a policy wonk. And I look and who has proposed the most well-researched plans. Who's ready on day one to hit the ground running? And for me, that's Elizabeth Warren. But I haven't chosen uh, between both of them. Dean uh, Alatis Tionis also joins us. Dean, nice to have you with us, making you. your Thank maiden you voyage. Me. Also of Greek extraction. Yes. What's you're you're also undecided. You're a Democrat, but uh, maybe more moderate than Georgia. Uh, you know, I think it, for me, it's electability and who can uh, be the winner on uh, November 2020. And I, I'm still undecided for. 
uh, a variety of reasons. I think the Democrats have uh, well-qualified candidates on, on their side, and I think it ultimately comes to me is who's going to be able to put the best fight going into the fall of 2020 uh, against President Trump. The other guest this evening is Chris Veronis. I kidded him. He's on the other side. He's on the Republican side of the table tonight because for many, many years, you also have been on the program for well over a decade. Uh, you're a Republican. You're not a Trump Republican. You don't like the president. Probably more conservative than you're Republican. You're more conservative, and, 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 but you don't like President Trump, but you're undecided because you may <clears throat> still vote for him. Um, I might. And um, I say that as a person who took a pass on the presidency in 2016. I voted for neither Trump nor Hillary. And um, I think the reason why I'd be inclined to vote for Trump is because, well, first of all, he was an unknown commodity, and no one thought he would ever win in 2016, easily dismissible. But now um, we were told that the country would slide off a cliff, nuclear war, uh, take your pick. Um, famine and locust, that didn't happen. And to me, um, this kind of uh, hysteria is, um, is, is, how, is what's influencing me right now. And, um, and if I think the election were held tomorrow, it would be on that basis that I would One of the other vote. things said in 2016 about Donald Trump was that uh, he didn't like to read, he didn't like to be briefed, uh, he was flippant. <laughs> Uh, he could be rude, crude, and socially unattractive. Yeah. And some of those things have turned out to be true for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. But there's been no yeah. change there. But that's less important to you now than because that well, was one I, of the other things. You just you just didn't like him as a person. Um it's more than a person. It's uh he was setting a precedent for uh politics, for discourse, for policy. I was worried about that because in Trump setting the precedent on the right, what's stopping a Democrat from doing the same, getting in and and saying, well, Trump did it. And that's what I was most worried about, that Trump, uh, the Trump shamelessness, no standards would infect the other side um, for for policy gain. And so that 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 that's what I found most detestable about Trump. And and. And to this day, um, still do. And I know we're going to get to this later on about mm -hmm. the uh, um, the Russian interference. I mean, right. <laughs> that's the other. That's probably the reason why I'm undecided right now uh, is because like uh, why why Donald Trump takes this so lightly. Now, interference. Georgia, back to you. I mean, you you uh, travel in circles with people who have some success, financial and otherwise, in life. I mean, don't you have many Greek friends who are saying to you, hey, my 401k looks great. I business is great for Donald, with me and Donald Trump. I think the people that voted for Donald Trump initially and are still trying to justify their support for him do point to their 401ks and say, look, I got a bump. Um, but I think for a lot of people that are on the receiving end of Trump's policies, they're looking at it and they're saying, yes, it may not be the apocalypse, but it's a daily nightmare for us. And it depends on what your passion is. For people that care about the rule of law, they look at the lawlessness and they say that this is something that we don't view as being American. For people that care about the economy and the deficit, they look at the trillion-dollar deficit and they say, you know, I'm a conservative, I'm a fiscal conservative. This guy has run it at a rate soaring. This is not what true conservatism is about. And then obviously health care is a large issue as well. There's people that look at the situation and say, look, I voted for him in 2016, right? But he's in court 
trying to repeal Obamacare that is saving my life. So I think that you saw a lot of people that voted for Obama that crossed over to Trump, right? And that was a little bit of a phenomenon. And you're seeing now Trump voters that are looking, for example, at Bernie. And you're wondering, how can this happen? And I think that a lot of the pundits that think that there's a type of rationale to the way people view policy, it's not. It's an emotional decision. But, but on all those counts, Georgia, all of them, the rule of law, I, he was impeached. Um, you, you've got uh, a, a Congress that's exerting its own autonomy, you know, keeping him in check. Bernie wants to uh, pass like a, a $12 trillion Medicare for all. And so I, I guess it's, it's hard to say that he's an anomaly when the Democrats, one, have a check on him, and two, would do far worse if they got into office. We've got a pause, 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border. I'm Bruce Dumont, and we will have a Trump supporter very soon. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Chicago, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you are a Trump fan, uh, we do have a Trump guest on his way. He is a little bit delayed in getting here, so uh, we'll hear from him when he gets here. But uh, I want to go back to uh, I, uh, or go to a story that also uh, over the last uh, 72 hours has been a big story, and that is uh, the, 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 the allegation that the Russians uh, are trying to help Donald Trump again and also an allegation that they're trying to help Bernie Sanders in the Democratic primary. Bernie Sanders was briefed on that uh, about a month ago by intelligence officials, and he, he uh, revealed it uh, to the news media uh, when the story came, became public, uh, you know, last week, late last week. Um, but uh, the, the story that was out there was that a mid-range intelligence official had briefed the House uh, committee and the House and Senate Intelligence Committees and the president became very upset about it because the story that came out was that they were supporting, they were, the Russians were trying to help Donald Trump get reelected. Well, uh, this afternoon, the, the national security advisor was on television today, Mr. O'Brien, and he appeared on a number of the shows. And uh, also in going back and forth, uh, CNN, uh, which uh, led with this story, they've come out with a statement this afternoon, and I want to put that on the record. And this quotes... This quotes unnamed uh, 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 folks. In fact, uh, Fritz, let's go to the other graphic first if we can. Uh, the intelligence, uh, wait, now let me go back. I, I, I'm, I'm making a mistake here for those listening to us on radio. But here's what it says. The intelligence doesn't say, doesn't say that. And it goes on to say that a more reasonable interpretation of the intelligence is that 
is not that they have a preference, but a step, but a step shot of that. It's more than they understand the president is someone they can work with. He's a deal maker. And so that basically is the statement today, because in the course of the television shows today, did you see Mr. O'Brien on any of the shows yeah. today? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because he seemed to be saying that, he, that, that the president was upset mm-hmm. because he had not been briefed, that the House had been briefed beforehand, including Adam Schiff. And he suggests that Adam Schiff is the one that basically leaked this this information, which has been out there for you know for a day and a half now, and that really uh, this mid-range person, uh, she was basically offering an opinion. It was not based on any analysis. So I want to turn to you, Georgia, because you saw the program and I saw the mm-hmm. program. I don't know whether others did or not, but did you think that Robert O'Brien today? made an intelligent uh, statement about what might have gone wrong here and that really the news media might have overreacted because of this interpretation of a mid-level member of the national security team. No, I think he made a political statement, and I think it's unfortunate. Can a political statement also be a correct statement? But but the statement that you just read that the – well, first, let, let's take a step back and look at the context of, of who's possibly these unnamed sources. Um, ever since Donald Trump got impeached, he's done a purge. And so we've seen him purge his national security staff. And the test is, are you loyal to me, Donald Trump? Are you a party loyalist to me? So I think when we look at, well, who are these people left, these unnamed sources that are feeding stuff to CNN, they're not these career – objective officials there anymore. These are people that have passed a loyalty test to Donald Trump. I think, first of all, that's something that we Let have to consider. Let me just stop. That, I think, is true maybe within the last two weeks. Yes. But a lot of Trump supporters would say that what President Trump is doing now, he should have done on day three. Because in the early days, I mean, that the, the administration was a sieve. So it's taken him a long time, and he should not get, he shouldn't be patted on the back for taking as long as he's taken to get rid of the deadwood within his within within his power, and now he's putting the loyalists in. Dean, you want to comment? So on I that? think the real question or concern for all Americans should be is that again, a third party outside uh, of the United States is looking to mess with the, the election or somehow be partisan and towards one candidate or against the other. And that's a real concern if, if you're an American citizen. It's a concern, Dean, but are you were you surprised at this? Does this surprise no, no, anybody this, at no. this table? This, okay, it's, so. It's not a surprise that Putin um, wants someone who kowtows to him, I think. And it's, it's no surprise that the old Politburo guys are, are with a guy that, whose policies they support, you know. Um, he... Bernie Sanders, um, he moonlighted, he, he honeymooned in uh, Moscow. Oh. So, I mean, they, they agree with him, you know. And so, um, so Bernie Sanders it, versus Donald Trump would be a no lose for this for Russia. I I think what these wily Russians are thinking is that it it this is a battle of the extremes, and it's it's a, it would be a divisive election. Um, a polarizing election, and, and that is what they want. Yeah, I think we're ascribing too much nu- nuance to Putin. Um, I don't think it's necessarily that he supports Donald Trump's policies or he supports Bernie Sanders' policies. At the end of the day, he just wants to wreak havoc. Anything that fractures American society yeah. is a win yeah, in the right. Putin yeah. column. Would you say that Adam Schiff 
has given Putin exactly what he wants. Absolutely not. I think Mitch McConnell gave Putin what he wanted when he was asked by President Obama to make a statement against Russia and attacking of our democracy in 2016, and he refused to. I think that did Putin's bidding, but absolutely not. But when you lead the resistance against the president, is that not falling into the wishes of the Soviet, of why, the Russians? Why, why would we as Americans muzzle our dissent against the president? I think that's actually the most anti-American thing that we would do. I think being silent well, would play uh, into uh, Putin's uh, let, arms. Let, let's, talk, let, let's look at the, the reality here, because I think everyone would at this table would agree that, that a disinformation, whether it's from uh, Russia mm -hmm. or China or North Korea or Iran or whatever, that disinformation, you know, we try to disrupt their alleged elections. I mean, we meddle, we have meddled, the country has meddled, the United States has meddled. In, so let's say that that's an, it's on an even keel. Okay, so we have discovered in 2016 that the, the Russians did something that many of us thought probably has been going on for a long time. And because in their view they were successful at it, why would they not do it in 2020? Why would they not do it in 2018? Yeah. So, but, but my question is, as someone that likes to have a robust discussion of debate every Sunday night, how do we know and how does anyone know if they're inadvertently feeding uh, uh, something that the Russians would like us to discuss and get upset about? Bean, where do you start with that? How do we know what's real and what's not real and what we're reading and seeing and from news media and, and, and from the Internet? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a fair point. I think uh, part of the Russian desire to continue this havoc or continue the chaos within our, our pol uh, political system is exactly what's happening right now. It's the continuation of havoc where we don't know what the truth is. We're always questioning whether you're a D or an R, what's going on, what's going to happen in this election, and the continuation of, of, of challenges for the electoral uh, process is what they're accomplishing at best with the internal fighting between whether you're a D or an R uh, is a real challenge. Look, Chris? The, the question is not have the Russians been doing this? I'm sure they have in, in, in subtle and severe ways. They've been doing it for decades, and like right back to the 1917 revolution to present. The question is, what are we doing about it? Why is there such a tepid response? This, you know, as a conservative Republican, you know, who remembers the Soviet Union, this like really pisses me off. Um, it's 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 disturbing. It's disturbing because how are we going to trust these intelligence agencies um, if we take this pick and choose approach? Um, they're doing their job. They're reporting the facts. And so I I mean Donald Trump is known to make erratic decisions. Um, he's known to be much more cozy and friendly with kind of autocratic dictators like you know, um, MBS in um, Saudi Arabia and bully European allies. I think Putin likes that. I think Putin likes that Donald Trump's isolationist tendencies uh, to pull out of the Middle East, to put pressure on NATO. Uh, so you, you could see Donald Trump's interests support Putin's a, a interests. A lot of Americans feel the same way. A lot of the a lot of the Americans feel the same way as as Putin does. Then, oh, oh, okay. So what what happened with the last? Uh, I'm, not to, about, just I'm, because, not I'm not talking just about. I'm not talking about the assassination a segment, of a Just because a segment of Americans support the policy doesn't mean 
the policy is good for the country. Because the right policy. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, inevitably it leads to war. And, and if you look at history, that's exactly what's happened. Bruce, I want to real quick get to two quick points. One, um, what Russia did in 2016 was more than just kind of the meddling that goes on between countries. Um, I think it's important for your audience to remember that they literally attacked our election infrastructures. Here in Illinois, they accessed the voter registration database. So it's quite possible that they could have gone in and with a push of a button caused millions of people to be turned away from the they polls. They attempted to do that. They were not successful. Yes, exactly. As far I, I, as we know. Exactly. I, and I, I want to say something by here's something really just quick. to follow up on what, what yeah. you said, Chris. We don't really know, and maybe we don't want to know, uh, our government, our intelligence community, they may be tremendously successful in fighting the Russians mm -hmm. in this field, and we don't know about it. We only yeah, learn I, about I, I their mistakes. I, I don't accept that. When we took out um, al-Baghdadi, when we took out bin Laden, the world knew the PR value of those victories. How about, cyber, was, how about and, in and, cyberspace, and, though? Yeah, and, and, and so, I, and so I, I think the PR value of us taking it to the Russians I mean that 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 would be um, valuable, um, and, and and so. But don't you agree that that we're not going to have a press conference about that? No, uh, we, uh, I mean we, we allegedly we were allegedly involved not, in causing some of the failures we, of the North Korean missiles because we screwed up we their also, technology. We I mean, also want to send a message. We're not going to have a press conference on that. I want to send a message around the world that we're not going to be pushed around. And we've got capacity, and we can use it against a foreign adversary if they're tampering with. We've got to pause. 1-800-723-8029. When we come back, we'll talk more. Don't go away. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's E-Verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require E-Verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers... Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives like physical therapy to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Bruce Dewan back in Chicago. We promised that we would have a pro-Trump guest here, and he has arrived. Jeff Hom, nice to have you with us. Very active with the young Republicans all over the United States. And my question to you, which we were talking about before your arrival, was uh, the, the allegation uh, that Donald Trump may be getting some support from Russia. The intelligence community uh, issued a, kind of a statement this afternoon that uh, maybe the briefing to the House Intelligence Committee was uh, maybe misinterpreted by, by some Democrats. But um, how important is it to you that the president try to put to rest that lingering thought that many people have that he somehow is uh, being helped by Russia? 
I mean, the the reason here that this is lingering is because the the press and the left, uh, but I repeat myself, uh, wants it to linger, right? I mean, they have not gotten over 2016 and the fact that they put up a terrible candidate and lost. Um, And so somehow it's, you know, it's, there's, there's always some other reason other than this introspection, right? And, uh, Russia tries to interfere in basically every election, right? There's uh, similar reports out saying that they're trying to help Bernie, right? And mm-hmm. they're just trying to sow chaos, right? Russia is. Um, that's also giving them more credit than they deserve. Uh, the idea that the, that the Russians can somehow influence uh, American elections is kind of overblown. They're, they're not that sophisticated. But how – before the break, we were talking about – the civil discourse that we try to have on this program and talk radio in general and, and really even cable television, I mean, it's, it's built on, on conflict between one side and the other, mm-hmm. and one side yells at the other side. We've had examples of that on this program <laughs> uh, for many, many years. Yeah. But again, that's part of the robust discussion of politics. Mm-hmm. But I guess in some, requ- in some respect, I mean, you're trying to sow discontent and get people to vote for a Democrat. You're trying to sow discontent and get people to vote for a Republican. I mean, how does that differ from just basic political life in any it's, country in the world? It's Georgia? very it's- different because it's misleading and manipulative. And I completely disagree that Russia isn't sophisticated enough to impact our elections. Um, the digital that- campaign that they're running... And think about it. When the election comes down to perhaps 10,000 undecided voters in one specific part of Wisconsin, and Russia is dedicating hundreds of trolls and millions of dollars to try and deceive them about the candidates' positions or even about where they can go to vote. That was part of Russia's disinformation campaign Mm -hmm. in 2016, leading people to the wrong precinct. They are absolutely sophisticated enough. And the president's own appointees in the intelligence community, the director of the FBI, the director of the CIA, all of these intelligence um, officials have testified before Congress under oath for, for the past year that Russia is doing this and that it is an alarm call, an alarm for us to wake up and do something about it before it's too late. You know, it's interesting that that uh, there's this clarion call about Russian interference in election, but no blame placed on the Obama administration under which this entire operation apparently happened, right? So, I mean, do you believe that any any votes were changed by the Russians, not through persuasion, but like actual through interfer- interference? Like technical interference? Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. There's been no evidence of it, but we have a president who refuses to even broach the topic of election security. And in fact, it was incumbent upon congressional Democrats trying to push through an election security bill against his protestations. If he can't even recognize the threat to our democracy, how can he possibly? So so do you believe? Wait, wait, wait. So all right, you want to talk about you want to talk about integrity of the vote? Absolutely. I'm 100 percent there with you. So you believe that we should uh, require. Um, identification to vote? I don't believe that we should require identification to vote so, because it's shown to suppress votes. And and there should be voter-verified paper ballots. That is how we protect the integrity of our elections. Why, why, does, it, Wait, why does it suppress votes? Because every single study that has been done on voter ID, and it's been implemented in many states, so we have hard data to look at 
shows that it actually suppresses the, the, the right to vote because there's people that are in their 70s or 80s or college kids who don't even have a student ID. Why not? And, and because they don't have a student ID because Wait. we live in this bubble, as in, in a privileged <coughs> bubble, and we don't understand that there are people who don't have driver's license, don't have driver's licenses, don't have student IDs, work minimum wage jobs, they don't have any form of government ID. Do they let get alone, on a plane? Do they get alone, on a plane? Do they get on a train? Most people in America don't even, don't even travel not. by plane. They can't so, afford it. So and then when they go to the DMV okay. to get one of those required IDs, they can't even afford the $40 fee. We are living in a bubble and we don't understand the real world impact of these policies. And it's, and it's a solution that isn't even trying to affect a real problem. There has been so, no voter fraud in America that has impacted an election. There's been none whatsoever. Jeff, I don't know whether I would acknowledge that, but Jeff, go ahead. I, yeah, I mean, I would, I would disagree wholeheartedly with the idea that there's never been voter fraud that has inter, inter, uh, influenced, rather, an election. I mean, we just, we just completely whipsawed there, right? We need, we need to, the vote is sacrosanct. We need, we need to protect it, but showing an ID is, is not something we're, we're allowed to do. So if you're so for securing our elections, then yeah. why aren't you calling out President <clears throat> Trump for his refusal to fund the election security I mean, bill? There are three I've been here for 10 security. minutes, so we haven't gotten to that election yet. election security but bill <laughs> sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk that he has refused to send to the president because the president doesn't want to sign that. All right. Uh, I would agree <laughs> that, that uh, based on all of the investigations of 2016, no one has said that votes were changed. Republicans, right. no one has said that votes were Completely no evidence. There's no evidence of that. Everybody agrees with that. So what I'd like to concentrate, go back to my, my discussion here, if the one thing that we know about was, is disinformation in this world in which we live where everyone's got a phone in their hand, let's deal with what we can do about disinformation. That's Let me ask point. you, Dean, let's go back. How do you go about determining, when, when you get a, you know, a, a text or a tweet, how do you know that the information that's coming to you is legit or not? Oftentimes you don't, but it's imperative on the individual to do the research and click more than just the, 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 the text message that you get or the website that pops up on your news feed. You have to do the work in order to figure out whether what you're being presented on is truth or lies. And don't you acknowledge that a lot of Americans are lazy? I, would, I wouldn't say they were lazy, but I think there's other things that are happening in their daily day life that is not limited to, you know, let me go and do the additional research on what this thing that I'm being presented on uh, with. Gullible. Are they gullible? Chris? One, well, I, what I was going to say is I was going to speak to, like, the, the division yeah. here. Um, one of the worst moments for Donald Trump, objectively, um, doesn't matter what, what party you belong to, was when he stood next to Vladimir Putin in Norway and looked like a lapdog. It was disgusting, appalling. Everyone said it across the board. And I don't understand why Donald Trump, just to let some steam out, um, especially if he's so uh, concerned about winning an election on his own accord, if he, if he would call out Donald Trump, like, knock it off. You don't do this to the United States. I mean, it, if someone tries to burn your house down and they're unsuccessful, you don't say, well, uh, it, it didn't work. I'm, I'm okay. No, you're going to go after him. And I think that should be our I, posture. I, we, we I would agree. And if you look at, if you look and, at what and, Trump has actually done so, against the Russians in, from a policy perspective, <clears throat> um, 
it, you're right. It, it gives lie to this whole idea that he's some right. somehow, uh, you know, but, a lab But dog. it's a mixed bag. It, well, it's absolutely. a mixed bag with you know NATO. What? But it really but make a difference question, if, but, if you, but here's if the you question. came out publicly and challenged him. And Obama, Obama said cut it out. Absolutely. Bernie Sanders said don't. I mean, they both yeah, have Obama, said it. I mean, Obama, Obama said it, but he took a pass on doing anything during the election. Yeah, I mean, that, that was that was a, so, a, a, a deliberate <laughs> decision on the Obama administration's part. So, so the so President Obama was caught on a hot mic talking to Dmitry Medvedev about uh, this is my this is my only re-election huh? after after re-election I will have more uh, what did he say um, flexibility, flexibility right and and Medvedev says I'll transmit that to Vladimir Vladimir there, to... there is nothing similar to that it's a complete non sequitur but okay no, I'd like I, to get I, back to no, the no, topic no, no. I, I think it's, it's you no. don't think his unguarded comments are are what does that have to do with President Trump being a lapdog to Putin at that press conference and undermining NATO or the security a alliance that has created at world a pre- peace press conference absolutely. Right. So so the NATO the, the NATO alliance is is stronger than it's ever been. It's not. It's not. It's not because we have Donald Trump consistently undermining no, see, it. This is Trump derangement syndrome. Yeah. It's like, absolutely like, not. And that's absolutely. very disrespectful. It's not. It comes from a policy position. And as somebody who is an expert in foreign policy, I can and, tell you that he absolutely undermines the NATO alliance when he says that, you know, NATO shouldn't essentially exist, that it's all corporate bureaucrats that are trying to take over the world. When he completely undermines the mission of NATO, which is specifically was set up as a deterrent to Russia and to secure the integrity of right, Western to keep Europe. the Russians out, the uh, the French in, and the Germans down, right? Or I the British in, the, and the Germans in. I think that this is just a classic example of how Trump has poisoned just what used to be basic norms in this country. I, I think this is actually an example let me, let me of how basic, anything with Trump but, yeah. has, has created this completely caustic reaction, and then Trump is blamed for that, wanna, that reaction. I want to go back to a specific. There's a lot of Americans who like the idea that Donald Trump has stood up to the NATO allies and asked them to pay their fair share. Americans want everyone to pay their fair share, okay? So, again, can you, can you speak to the, the yeah. NATO alliance that has not paid its share? Well, so the NATO alliance targets, and this is a great example of what Donald Trump does best, which is take credit for other people's successes. Okay. So those NATO alliance targets were already in existence before Donald Trump made his big ask and press conference. Yes, we know that. So they were already meeting towards those targets. So it's not towards. as a result of Donald Trump that towards. all of a sudden these towards allies the started is, paying more. Is there, it's simply why not is whether... Why is it why is it that if that is true, why is it that the Obama administration or anyone any any of the, the the defense of the Obama administration never made the point when Obama left office that they had that they had forced the NATO alliances to to make they didn't make, good make a for, press conference out of it because it was written in the agreements and it wasn't something that they thought they why had to trumpet for their why base. did let me ask you this question why didn't the national news media ever do a story about how all the NATO allies have paid up their past dues and it only became a story when the president of the United States said to Angela Merkel and all these other leaders, hey, pay up. We want you to do your share. Well, That's national- a very positive thing. I think Republicans and Democrats Absolutely. like when the president tries to get a better deal. Back shortly from Chicago. I didn't even- a new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. 
For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Georgia Logothides, uh, we are commenting about the disinformation that's out there and how voters are supposed to react to that, what's real and what's not real. You have focused on something uh, that Michael Bloomberg has done, which you think is disinformation. Go ahead. Yeah, we've spoken a lot about Russian disinformation, but um, the campaigns have been doing it too, and they've been either selectively editing video or manipulating video in a way that really, unless it's flagged by social media companies, you think that it's real. And Mike Bloomberg, um, who had a poor performance in the last debate, put out a clip that made it seem like he had an amazing performance. So he uh, essentially had a statement in the debate and then had crickets and dead silence in the video for an extended amount of time, making his other opponents look foolish. Um, And if you were one of the people, most people didn't see the debate, if you were one of those people that didn't see the debate and you only saw this paid advertisement in your feed, you would think that Mike Bloomberg did fantastic in the debate. So I think part of the discussion about but how... But that's to, all advertising. <laughs> well, I, I, how, are you, how are you going to separate that from that's basic advertising? That's a great question. And so Facebook and Twitter have been working for a very long time on combating disinformation on their platforms, not just in the sphere of politics, but in the sphere of health, in the sphere of just generally news. And one of the issues is that the quality of the information that is pushed out to people in their feeds and pushed out in algorithms, and they're working on some type of verification system or labeling system so that people understand the difference between what's real and what isn't. Jeff. So, you know, again, going back to the whole 2016 Russia fever dream thing, right? It's that it's not that the Democrats could have possibly done something wrong. It's that the the American populace was duped. Do you think anybody in the world, I'm sorry, anybody in the country believes that there were crickets in the debate. Well, it wasn't literal crickets. No, there were literal crickets. No, I I watched the ad. There were crickets playing. Do you think anybody believes that there were crickets in the debate? That's insane. But you're saying take that down. Whether there's crickets or not, there's an undertone there. There absolutely is an undertone. And I would invite you you to look at the 2012 ad that has a Russian, I'm sorry, a Russian, uh, uh, a Paul Ryan stand-in throwing an old lady off a cliff. Well, of course, that's not 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 believable. There was a video that circulated on social media of Nancy Pelosi where they they slowed down her words to make her appear drunk. And that video got millions of views of people who legitimately thought that she was drunk. And it wasn't Jimmy Kimmel does with Donald Trump once a week. But it wasn't labeled as parody. When you watch Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel, when you watch the late night hosts, you know that they're doing a bit. But when this is pushed out on, on ostensibly serious news platforms like Breitbart, like other ones, and they're pushing it out as being true. It's deceptive to the American public. But but in in, in the instance of uh, the the Bloomberg ad that you referenced, Bloomberg said, I'm the only one up here that started a business. Anybody else? And he looked over. The answer to the question, I mean, everyone else did exactly as they did in that spot. They showed a, they may have, uh, they may have elongated the pause, 
But that, nobody, the, the, the message was, you know what, I've formed a business. You know what, nobody down here has ever formed a business. And isn't that, a, isn't that an important thing for Bloomberg? It, and shouldn't the American people know that? It was more Joe of, Biden's been on the public trust since he was 30 years it old. Was more about, it was more about the content of his words. It was how he made a caricature out of the other ones. And he snipped different oh, size and exactly. The biggest question baby, from it's politics. But you know what? It's Chris, not, no, Chris, Chris Bloomberg has got bigger things to worry about than backlash for, for this ad. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. like, like these NDAs, for example. And, um, you know, and that's something that they, that, that they really weren't prepared about. They knew the attacks were coming. They, they, could, have, yeah. they could have done something. They could have released them like, like they are right now. They yeah. made the decision he, he looked after completely the completely caught off guard. Yeah, and, it was and, awful. and they knew it was coming. They yeah. knew the attacks were coming. They're all sharpening their knives. And I, I so what in, in terms about of his ability to be president, if he didn't um, take the debate seriously, it, it says a lot. Um, I mean, we, we got a true look at the guy, um, kind of like the Wizard of Oz. You know, we've got these huge ad buys. Who was also the a board. diminutive figure. Right, and then all of a sudden we see that this guy is is like a zombie candidate. doesn't doesn't really like people, and and just what he said too about like those the the women that they didn't like jokes. You heard the crowd. I mean, they they like groaned at that. And um, so anyway, I mean, he's got big problems, and I'm someone who believes that you know he could just be buying poll numbers and not votes. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, Rudy Giuliani had the same strategy, and he face-planted. So it's a big gamble, and it's all premised on Biden collapsing. Dean, didn't you, wasn't he a, a possible favorite of yours, though, Bloomberg? No, or, or he's no. never on the radar He was never you. on the radar. But, I, you know, I think the real challenge— Was Elizabeth Warren? No, she was not. Why but not? But just, you know, I, I just don't—I uh, think she has great policies and, and a lot of plans. Uh, as she says, I have a plan for that, but just not somebody that I would uh, think would be able to lead this country— uh, starting day one. Are you surprised that Elizabeth Warren didn't get more of a bump from her uh, kneecapping of Michael Bloomberg at the debate? Because no. she was as good with Michael Bloomberg yeah. as Amy Klobuchar had been in, in previous debates, I yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, debates, though, they always just kind of give a temporary bump and then things settle back into normal. So I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, it's hard to get traction out of a debate if you don't have billions like Mike Bloomberg to immediately put it into, like, ads on TV. Yeah. Who's the first one to drop out? Or the next one to drop out. Anybody want to offer? I mean, a I don't. Guess? I don't really think that Steyer is actually in this race, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put him aside. Um, but I I think it's you know if Biden doesn't finish first in South Carolina, he's he's out, like out. Not like Does he know that he's I, out. No, I, I, he, he could become a zombie candidate. Yeah. He, he could go into well, Super Tuesday and, and pass Super Tuesday. And it's and it's honestly the same thing that happened in 2016 on the Republican side is that it's, everybody's it, we'll fighting see, about second place, the, yeah, and, and that, then and then Bernie just kind of uh, coasts into and it. And I'm glad you brought that up because Absolutely, because you know what we've got is a divided or a, a, like a, a crowded field. Everybody's fighting for second. A divided base. Uh, an unconventional candidate who's maybe a little extreme. Where have you heard that before? 2016. Yep. Welcome to the club, guys. You guys are going. Through we it went right through this. Now. Getting started. Yes. And remember, he was the candidate everybody wanted because everybody thought he could be easily defeated. And I think there's a lot of people out there that think Bernie Sanders would be easy pickings, and I think they are dead wrong. I agree with you. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly with another full hour. Don't go away.
Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA because numbers... GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Project Yellow Light. Noise and the Ad Council. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Roostermont back in Chicago. Richard Grinnell is the new acting director of uh, intelligence uh, Intelligence for the United States. Uh, anybody got a problem with that? Yes. Okay, George, <laughs> I thought you might. Why? Yes, absolutely. Not only is he wholly unqualified and would be, I think, the first uh, DNI that has zero intelligence experience, but he's also going to still be the ambassador to Germany? So he expects to Saving both be money. a full-time ambassador to Germany and also head up one of the world's largest and most sophisticated intelligence operations. That's not a good idea. It's not a Chris, good idea. Chris, do you agree with that? Um, I do have problems with his credentials, but then again, um, political appointees is nothing new. I mean, Leon Panetta knew nothing about the intelligence community Freaking or, ben or, 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 or the Pentagon. Let's talk about Ben Rhodes. But, 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 you know, Obama put him in for CIA in the Pentagon. John Brennan 
was a Fannie Mae or a Freddie Mac lobbyist, and he was put in at the CIA. Oh, yeah. So I think a I, I mean, so, so the 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 road is littered with hacks. Gene, getting so these. I, I think part of that is positions. going back and removing people that are no longer or or can be perceived as not Trump loyalist. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, you go back to a core and saying, hey, I'm going to put people in place that are really, truly loyal to me and to what I'm about. And let's continue forward with that sort of agenda. Who oppose that? I mean, I mean, isn't that what any elected official or president should do? You want people close to you. Absolutely, with some, some level of experience. So I can't just put somebody as national security advisor that is not uh, well attuned to what is happening uh, across the globe and currently has a position as ambassador to Germany. So well, you, but, it's just but, but wouldn't you acknowledge that if you're the ambassador to Germany and NATO and, and our relationship with Germany is important, that no. you are probably up to speed on a lot of the issues that the DNC and I director would uh, would be aware of. Well, to be fair, Germany almost kicked them out because he was doing such a poor job. But one thing that I do want to know is that kick who out? we're Grinnell. Well, but yeah. they can't kick him out. No, they can't. But but they wanted to. They had a very contentious relationship with him, and because he, did a he lot was of too clubs. strong for Trump. Um, one of the things that I want to note, though, is why did he pick somebody to be acting DNI? And one of the reasons why Grinnell works out is because he doesn't have to be vetted by the Senate to be. You know, approved right. into acting, and one of the things that I think your your <clears throat> audience should know is that a lot of these top key government posts are filled by acting Wrong. appointees because Trump is too afraid to put his nominees to the vote in a Republican Senate. He doesn't want the even Republican Senate to be vetting his candidates. What about that? The the idea that that Mitch McConnell, who like owns the Senate, would would not, you know, potentially uh, get. An appointment for anybody that Trump puts up. So is, why hasn't Trump? So why are why there so that? many acting heads of agencies? You know what? And I, some of right, them have like been Mick, in a position Mick, for Mick over Mick a year. Mulvaney, for example, yeah, I mean, there's there's a huge number. I think it's I think it's uh, the Washington Post was uh, keeping track of it, and I think it's still in the four or five hundreds of uh, you know uh, appointments that that are just there's just nobody there, right? Does that bother We said. We said before you arrived tonight yeah. that really one of the one of the criticisms, and I think it's a correct criticism of the Trump administration, was they were not ready on day one to govern. And again, this this businessman did not was not able or was not aware that it takes time to get people through the Senate, even though the the, the was Senate control it, there. It's certainly something that is uh, makes me uneasy, right? Um, and, but this is the thing, right? Is that the people that were left over, who were told, you know, you know, these people aren't political; they're just they're just career, you know, bureaucrats. Are the people that have tried been taking, uh, trying to take him down for the last three years? The president has alleged that, uh, and and uh, Robert O'Brien on on television today, the uh, national security advisor, he has alleged that the uh, the, the the woman uh, from the NSA uh, who um, uh, briefed the House Intelligence Committee that may have spoken out of turn or offered opinion. That's the news this afternoon. But they were basically saying uh, she said something that she should not have said in answering questions before the House committee and Adam Schiff. The president was also upset, according to what he said. In fact, uh, we have a clip of that. Uh, This is the president at the helicopter today when asked about the, the, the controversy involving the advisor... Uh, who addressed the House Intelligence Committee and briefed them on the allegations of Russian involvement. This is what the president had to say today. 
Nobody said it. I read where Russia is helping Bernie Sanders. Nobody said it to me at all. Nobody briefed me about that at all. They leaked it. Adam Schiff and his group, they leaked it to the papers. And as usual, they ought to investigate Adam Schiff for leaking that information. To do nothing, we, Democrats. We don't know. We don't know and we'll never know whether Adam Schiff leaked this information or not. So let's take he that off the history of doing that. So it's, it's pretty easy. Okay, uh, I will I will stipulate that. But the, the bigger question is, the president said that he was never briefed. In other words, the House Intelligence Committee was briefed before him. Mm. If that's true, yeah, I think that's, that's horrible. Problem. Yeah, I agree. Do you I agree? Mean, would you, would the Democrats agree with that? Well, first of all, Trump has zero credibility. Let's make sure okay. that we know that one. But I'm saying if it's true. But if, if it's true, it's a failure of his own leadership because he's chosen to surround himself with people <laughs> fans and not the type of people who would be able to put this type of briefing in place. This is a guy who, according to reports, needs pictures in his presidential daily briefing oh because God. he doesn't want the actual information. But uh, Georgia, if you're Georgia, if you're so, of course people are going to be afraid to show if you him. surround yourself with sycophants, the first thing they're going to say is, let's tell the boss first before we take this yes. information over and share it with Adam so, Schiff. But so I'm there's sure two things. His own appointees have t they've, they've sounded the alarm on Russia to President Trump many times. We've seen as people have left and been fired from the administration because, you know, Trump has fired his own appointees at a record <clears> pace, <throat> that as they've come out, and they've spoken about what they've told the president. They've said, I warned the president about Russian interference. So he now, can't claim now that, well, nobody told me about Russia interfering. People have been sounding the alarm almost every day. No, but, so, but, but the, the question that I have is, are there, are there people like this deputy, uh, uh, are there other people who are, at, who, are, who are at a lower rung than the secretary? Are there people who are they're either not supportive of the president they may not think the president is smart enough, whatever. They may disagree with him politically. But they're operating at an operational level, and they're doing as they damn well please, as we know happens in any, in any business. And sometimes they're making decisions that the president should be making. The president also said this week that he was not aware that 14 Americans with possible coronavirus were put on the plane to come back from Japan. Mm -hmm. He wanted them to stay in Japan. Mm -hmm. Some lower-level person made the decision they were all going to go on the same plane. Yeah, it was and the from president DHS. Hit, he, he, it hit the fan with the president when he said, wait a minute, I wanted to make that decision. This Doesn't is, he have the right absolutely. to make that decision? And, and you know what, though? This is what happens when you fill your cabinet with billionaire donors, right, and not people who have Sorry, experience who's, in who's government. Who's in his cabinet this that's a billionaire? This is what happens when you appoint people that are, you know, 23 years old and or, or 30 years old, and all of a sudden they're heading up a multi-million dollar like government Like Ben Rhodes? Operation. Talking about the deputies. So, come on, this, this, yeah, this, this happened at a... This is a man who campaigned on the promise of, I know how to run a business. Yes, and he did. He can't even surround himself with people who can run policy or the government. Okay, so I think two, things. Point. two things. One, I think the idea that government should be run as a business is something that has uh, been given uh, incredible traction that is just a bad idea. Um, number you two. got to pause. Your number two will come up. All right. After we hear from Dean, he's chomping at the bit over here. I'm Bruce Dumont back shortly. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. 
Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Bruce Dumont, we're back in Chicago, and uh, you wanted to give us, you were giving us two points. Yes. The audience was standing by, <laughs> holding their breath to hear your second point. Uh, so we're talking about uh, uh, lifetime political appointees, right? Yeah. And, and I, I think that it's, it's kind of demonstrated the fact that, you know, that, that the idea that these people are, are, you know, apolitical or, you know, they're just, they're just doing a job is, is not true at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the I mean, everybody's political. Right. I'm political. You know, the, the, yeah. the other three, here. Yes. Right. Exactly. Right. right. The, the listeners are political. And the idea that that somehow being part of the federal government makes them apolitical and, and just believing that they're angels is actually kind of uh, corrosive. If you look at what happened with um, Comey, McCabe, um, you know, even Brennan in his you know, uh, time as a, uh, what, contributor to CNN and, and the leaking that happens. <clears throat> okay. Well, one, uh, one other name I would add, and then I want to go to Dean. One other name that I would add is, is James Clapper. Yes, Clapper's awful. Because this past awful. week, obviously, Roger Stone uh, was, was convicted. Uh, and again, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Convicted, uh, sentenced for lying to Congress. Well, the, the most egregious lie to Congress that we talked a lot about on this program was when James Clapper, under oath, answered a question from Ron Wyden, Democrat from Oregon, about uh, uh, is, there any, uh, is there any surveillance going on of Americans? He flatly said no, and about two days later, the story broke that there was a significant, uh, massive intelligence operation that was eavesdropping on phone calls, not on phone calls, but had access metadata. and was listening into metadata and knew all kinds of things. So here is the, he was the head of DNI at the time. He absolutely lied to Congress. Everyone knew he lied to Congress. And nothing ever happened. So actually, on Thursday of the, this afternoon, uh, this past week, I called Senator Ron Wyden's office. I talked to his press secretary to find out whatever happened. When he lied, what did Senator Ron Wyden do when, he, when Clapper lied to him? And the press secretary said, well, we reported it to the Senate in, or, or to the, to the uh, uh, House uh, Senate Intelligence Committee. And I said, well, what did they do? He said, I don't know whatever happened to that. <laughs> but there was no follow-through. Well, we can tell you, Bruce, what happened. Nothing happened to it. No so what I'm through by the Republican-controlled Senate. Oh so it's not like a Democratic oh plot against, there, against the president, there, as, as people would have no, it. No, no, but my point. There was no follow-through. No accountability, yeah. But there was no follow-through or aggressive follow-through by the Democrat it's, member, it's, it's, Ron it's Wyden, who is a respected U.S. senator. Sure. I mean, he li- I mean, th- there's never the been, a, you know, on tape. But well, who would he be reporting it to? Who would yeah. he be reporting it to? Wouldn't it be a Senate 
that's led by the Republicans? I would think that he would have reported it to the FBI or the Justice the question, Department. But who would have, <clears throat> within the Senate proper, he would have reported it to the committee chair, right. which was? Who, who probably, also probably should have gone to uh, uh, to the Justice Department. Sure. But well, again, but, I, what but I'm just saying is that, you know. There's a lot of didn't happen. There's a lot of, down in the that's not the only time that, and again, Republican or Democrat, that's not the only time that someone lied. So whenever I see James Clapper on television, this guy yeah. is an absolute confirmed liar, and he perjured himself under oath. You know? So, so I, I'm a legislative supremacist, right? There's a reason that that Congress oh, really? that Congress is the, the first article of the Constitution, yep. right? So going back to the, the earlier point about why would um, you know a a congressional committee be briefed before or independent of the presidency, I'm – I'm actually okay with that, right? Because they're 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 not uh, supposed that the the Congress is not subordinate to the executive, right? And I, going, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. There's this pattern emerging, right, where people who uh, lie to Congress uh, or whatever under Democrats, they don't get prosecuted, right? So Comey was referred to. Um, uh, the DOJ for prosecution. They're like, ah, we can't do it. Uh, McCabe was was referred. Uh, he was literally fired. Uh, that was part of the IG report. He was literally fired from the FBI for being uh, less than truthful uh, in official inquiries. And they're like, all right, we're going to refer him for prosecution. Ah, we can't do it. Right. And yet people like um, uh, anybody in Trump's orbit is, well, we have to prosecute him for the good of the country and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's just it's the political bias is just so exhausting. I don't understand. Is it political bias when it's the president's own appointees making these prosecutorial decisions? It's not Democrats in these positions. These are the president's own appointees at the Department of Justice. The president's own how appointees many, at the FBI. How many people do you think Trump how, loyalists, how, party <clears throat> loyalists? How many and people so this, do you think are appointed by the by the president? The top that, positions are. The top yeah, positions the that are the ones yeah. deciding these. You want to tell me that, that this whole entire time, idea of, you know, a justice system <laughs> that is trying to go after the president, that's not true. The, the president, it's not about the president. As was said multiple times at the trial of Roger Stone, this is about the truth. There needs to be oh my truth God. still matters. Adam Schiff said it. The judge said it. We cannot be a country that, you know, anytime Trump is mentioned in the discussion, everything falls into party lines. No, there it's actually, we actually, we find the opposite. Truth well, that matters. And we have to have trust that the justice system, the judges that are prosecuting these cases, and the jury of the peers that are choosing to convict all of these Trump loyalists, they're not all Democrats trying to take down Trump. Let's go to calls. Let's go to Park. I'm sorry, Grant in Parkville, Missouri, listening to us on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Thank you. Uh, you're, you're, the, you're the one show I make a, a point to listen to on Sundays. Thank you're you. The most, uh, uh, most respected, in my opinion. Thank you. I listen to a lot of, I listen to a lot of talk radio. I have an uh, XM satellite system on our job site radio, so I get to listen to a lot of stuff. Well. Grant, I thank, I thank you very much. We've been doing it. Uh, we'll celebrate 40 years in June, and uh, it's it's comforting to get calls like this because this is why we do the program, and I'm glad yeah. you enjoy it. Yes, I, I uh, yeah, I really do. Because, And I'll tell you what, your female host there, she knows GD well why there's so many temporary appointments because there's no way <clears throat> the Democrats are going to appoint anybody <clears throat> to any of these offices while Trump's in office. That's one. Number two is our framers designed the system just as it's working right now. Hopefully it works this way for the next 50, 100 years. 
but none of these cogs or this gear are supposed to line up because if they did, we'd all be in trouble. Georgia, you want to comment? Sure. Um, the president's appointees go through the Senate, and the Senate is controlled by Republican Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, as well as a Republican majority, obviously, that supports the president's agenda. So um, the reason why there's so many acting uh, officials, the reason why so many other positions throughout government have not been fulfilled is not necessarily because of Democratic obstruction. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, uh, I would, to a point you made earlier, I think Trump wasn't expecting to win, so he wasn't prepared to lead on day one uh, uh, when he got into to the White House. And that you can see that throughout the last uh, couple of years of his administration, haven't been prepared or best suited to address some of the challenges that come with the territory. What he's done really good at is continue to campaign since 2016 and has not stopped campaigning from since the last presidential election. And we see that when you go into office, campaigning and governing are two different things, and we just haven't seen the governing part from this president. If we look ahead and, for the sake of this question, say that, that Bernie Sanders is elected president, are we going to run into the same problem? Because there are going to be Trump loyalists uh, in, in the government that he's going to take over and if there is a Republican-controlled Senate, which there may or may not be, that uh, Bernie Sanders is going to run into the same problem and, and maybe having, having no experience in ever running an, a business, uh, he's going to be further behind the eight ball than Donald Trump. Well, we're hopeful that uh, Mitch uh, McConnell won't be uh, the Senate president uh, starting in 2020, huh? but you know, we, we can be hopeful. But I I don't think so. I think even if there's a how about if there's a Democrat who isn't necessarily a Bernie Sanders Democrat? I mean, the, if Bernie Sanders gets elected, are we still going to have in in the body politic, whether it is in the House or in the Senate? Uh, we don't we don't know who will control either of those houses. But aren't we going to have a continuation of the split between the the hard or the liberal wing? the Bernie Sanders wing of the Democratic Party, and the more moderate wing. And are we going to deal with that for four years under a president, Bernie Sanders? Any president has to deal with factions within his, his or her own party. Um, this is not, you know, the fact that Trump came into government and there were Obama holdovers in policy positions, every president comes in and there's holdovers from old uh, administrations. And I think what it really is is a test of leadership. How do you approach that? What type of climate are you creating? Is it a climate of retribution or is it a climate of professionalism? If he had, I think Dean brings up a fantastic point, that Trump didn't think he would win, so he didn't have the type of transition committee that was ready to staff thousands of government posts with qualified conservative you know people that supported his agenda and as a result there were people in positions that he didn't agree with and then he viewed it as an affront or an attack against himself right and the last administration he had to deal with was the bush administration which he didn't he didn't appreciate uh grant thank you very much for your call and thank you very much for your comments appreciate it let's go to eric listening to us in rio linda california go ahead Thanks, Bruce, for taking my call, and I love your program, too. Thank you. I, I won't waste any more time. Uh, Georgia is mistaken about uh, the studies on voters in Georgia. The voters, more people of color voted after they put in ID requirements. I get Judicial Watch's newsletter, and I off, uh, most of the time I would read it cover to cover, they even had to go after the Obama administration to 
clean voter rolls. They were fighting. Obama administration staff were fighting against you, uh, litigating to not clean up voter rolls. That is absurd. It seems impossible to ever happen. Eric, we have to pause. Uh, Stay on the line, if you will, because we're going to a commercial break, and Georgia wants to respond, and so does Eric when we come back. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA because numbers Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives like physical therapy to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Before we go back to, to our guest in Rio Lindo, California, to follow up on his phone call, we're going to let each of our guests introduce themselves, and we're going to begin with Jeff Holm. Jeff? Uh, my name is Jeff Holm. I am the uh, political director for the Young Republicans National Federation. It's a group of under 40 uh, Republicans. Um, and uh, native native son of Chicago, went to DePaul, uh, went to high school at Fenwick, uh, go Friars, um, and got involved in politics as kind of like a, almost a hobby. Uh, I've had a day job uh, in financial services, and, you know, politics is something that I find incredibly fascinating. Dean Alonis Teotis. Yes, well, thank you. Dean Alonis Teotis, uh, born and raised in Chicago, product of uh, CPS, uh, K-12. through Went to DePaul for, uh, for college and, and uh, Northwestern for grad school. You know, politics is kind of something that I live and die by. It's the first thing I look at in the morning is uh, whether it's political or something other. Uh, it's, you know, it's who I am, and I'm, I'm happy to be on the show. Thank you. How many times in your life have you spelled your name and pronounced it? For oh, people? boy. <laughs> uh, first days of school were definitely tough, let me tell you that. <laughs> Chris Veronis. Uh, I'm Chris Veronis. I um, grew up in Orland Park, resident of Chicago, went to Marist High School, go Redskins. So we <laughs> had a name change. We're now the Red Hawks. Uh, was a press secretary in the Illinois legislature. Uh, I run a PR firm. And I, I guess I like politics like a person likes a big car crash. Oh, boy. And, um, and, and, <laughs> Never uh, heard of that I, analogy. I, I, I think um, I, so. I, You're just waiting I, for I, the crash to take place. I can't take my eyes off. Um, but o- over time, I think politics is playing like a a diminishing role in my life, at least. Who bad? Uh, Georgia Logothetes. Hi, I'm Georgia Logothetti. I am a former attorney, and I've been working in politics and policy for over 15 years. Um, why do I like politics? Uh, I am a kind of bleeding heart liberal and very optimistic. I like politics because I think ultimately it produces good policy because it's a way of sorting out the good from the bad. 
Okay, Tess. Let us go back to Eric uh, listening to us in uh, Rio Lindo, California. And, uh, George, I want to let yeah. you respond sure. because uh, he was challenging uh, some of your analysis of uh, uh, the recent vote in, in Georgia. Yeah, Eric, thanks for bringing up that study. I'm quite familiar with it. And I think it's a good example of, you know, I just mentioned policy. Um, in Georgia, they actually subsidized the IDs. And so it was a way for them to mitigate one of the biggest concerns, which was affordability and access to IDs. But in many states, the fee still remains very high. And in other states, there are studies that show that unless you mitigate these concerns of access and the paperwork that's required to get an ID, you know, some people don't have their original birth certificate, for example. So if, if the law is well written, it can mitigate. But the fact is, lawmakers are notorious for not writing state laws very well. And I think that if you're going to push voter ID through, it has to be done with a very robust fee waiver system so that people aren't out of pocket and trying to get these IDs. Uh -huh. so and there have to be the type of document uh, requirements that are feasible. You know, there was a story that you can Google about a woman who was in her 80s, and she needed to find her original birth certificate from over 80 years ago. And she wasn't able to locate it, and she had to drive 70 miles or take a bus, I'm sorry, for 70 mm -hmm. miles to try and get it. So there, there are real-world implications. And in Georgia, I'm glad that the effect hasn't been that much, but in other states it has been. So do you, Go so ahead, go ahead uh, Eric, uh, respond to that. Uh, that's interesting. I still can't believe that the liberals would li litigate against getting cleaning up the voter rolls, and Judicial Watch has been state-to-state state suing some states to make sure they're cleaned up because of the fraud using dead people and people that aren't supposed to be voters and the people voting those people, like a 110-year-old woman or, or, or a 130-year-old person. And, and Los Angeles got rid of, I don't know how many thousands of people mm -hmm. off the rolls. So Eric brings up a great point about how antiquated our election apparatus is. People die every single day, and they aren't automatically instantly taken off the rolls. Every state has its own timelines, whether it's every 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. So anytime you take a snapshot of the voter registration system, you will have people that are deceased on those rolls, which is why statutorily it's required to go through and do this reconciliation. Um, but what happens with these voter purges is they go through and they take off people who have a legitimate right to to vote. So for example, one tactic is they'll send you a piece of mail to your house and it's a postcard and it's from a political party. And if you don't respond to that postcard, they say, well, you're no longer at your address and you're not and you should be purged from the rolls. So we're seeing tens of thousands of people all across the country taken off of the rolls either because, for example, they got married and they changed their name, so the name doesn't match. Boom, you're kicked off the rolls. You changed your address, but it didn't update on your license. Boom, you're kicked off the rolls. So I think that as we modernize our elections, it's very important for us to do so in a way that both protects the integrity of our elections and prevents against fraud and abuse, but also maximizes participation and allows people to not have that vital right to vote stripped away. But again, if, if, if we go back to what we discussed earlier in the program, if we have the security and we're concerned about the security of the vote, whether or not Russians are, are, are involved in, in our campaigns or not, it seems to me that there's some basic things that Republicans and Democrats could do, because you're right. The most important thing is if somebody goes in to vote we want to know that they are a registered voter and that they're a citizen of the United States. Is this part of a bigger, broader issue that would have a, a, a broad base? Because it's mostly Republicans 
who want uh, voter ID. Not necessarily, but generally speaking, it's Republicans that want honest elections and voter ID. Why can they not agree with the Democrats that there are some prohibitions to, let's say, finding your birth certificate if you're 75 or 80 years old? I mean, or lowering the cost for them, for people to get an ID. I mean, so, everybody's supposed to get a, you know, one of the new official IDs now, and you need your birth certificate for that. Yeah, so so the thing is, I mean, I think that uh, the South Carolina uh, policy that was in, in, enacted under Nikki Haley is a model for the nation where uh, – you know, if if you can't afford it, you, you, you get an ID, right? Not a driver's license, but you can't afford it. And if you need to get picked up to get taken to the DMV, they'll do it for you, right? And, you know, this idea that these corner cases, um, which I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not disputing the fact that some uh, lady had to take a bus 70 miles for, you know, to find her original birth certificate, but that's a corner case. Like, we, you, maybe 2%. Of the entire electorate would be affected by something like that, and if you can't, if you can't, voting is so important. And if you can't actually go through the steps to, like, you know, get an ID, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. It right? shouldn't be a D or an R issue. Voting it's should not. be. It, it shouldn't should be. be. Yeah. Well, in some and states, it, it, they're being put up hurdles to suppress the vote. I, I think and that's. I think be, that's overblown. Um, perhaps, but but still the case. Honestly, honestly, the biggest the biggest firewall against uh, electoral interference is the electoral college, right? The fact that you would have to fix elections in in you know a majority of fifty states, not just I can run up votes in one municipality, right? And so the Democrats try to say, hey, we want to we want to increase the the integrity of the vote. And also, we're going to get rid of the Electoral College, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's a joke at this point. People talk about electoral interference in Chicago, that dead people vote in Illinois. That's, that's the degree to which this has ascended. And yet, hey, you know what? We should get rid of the Electoral College, which is the biggest um, guard against any kind of uh, interference. Georgia, any comment on that? Sure. I mean, I, I think it's just trying to have it both ways. On the one hand, you can't claim, oh, voter fraud is such a major pro- pervasive problem that illegals are essentially electing our candidates. I thought we were and talking about securing the vote here. talking about that the Electoral College prevents it. Well, I mean, the, the voter no, ID Nobody actually even brought up illegal really, well, aliens. Well, voter, voter ID, I mean, come on, let's be serious. The only reason people want voter ID is because they think that people who are undocumented immigrants are, are and not eligible to vote are voting. This the is just another... This is, this is another that? case where the Democrats right? think... Well, what's wrong with that? The voting policy... What's wrong with that, Georgia? What's wrong, wrong with? with what's wrong with a, an American citizen who says I only want American citizens yeah, voting? I, mean, I don't want illegal immigrants nobody voting. Wants nobody wants eligible voters to vote. Nobody does. I mean, they're not willing to take. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that the cure is such that it's depriving American citizens of their right to vote, and that's the problem. Talk the, about having it both ways. In particular states. In particular states, not absolutely. across the board. And, and I think again, just to just to underscore the modernization of our elections. I mean, this is what happens when we have we don't have you know, for example, a national election for president. Sure. We have fifty fractured elections, each state with its own voting machines, its That's own a voter feature, registration. Not a bug. And I oh. think that as it goes on, though, some states are fantastic at it, and some states are horrible at it. Yeah, I like mean, let's Iowa. just look at Iowa, right? <laughs> and why should your why should the sanctity of your right to vote be dependent on how good the bureaucrats in your red or blue state are? And and so I mean, that's the, the flip side of that argument, right? Is you guys want to have it both ways, right? Oh, Russia's going to interfere in our election, but we're not going to take have. any measures to 
safeguard against. But Russia isn't it. sending people to the polls to vote with fake IDs. Russia Thank is, you for conceding Russia that. I appreciate that. attacking our election systems at the source. And they this have is, hacked thank into and voter security. registration yeah. and databases. This is, this is another, that is how they are attacking And this is another election. example where the Democrats think the American public is too stupid to figure out what's going on. I, I strongly disagree with that statement. I mean, I think the cybersecurity aspect should, again, voting is not a D or an R issue. It should be concerning everybody. And cyber attacks from a third party outside the United States, being Russia in this case, should be concerning to everybody. 100%. It should be the top priority of any Congress. And this is why uh, we should be seeking to address that. And that's just frankly not the case here. And the easiest way to secure the vote is two things, right? One, you have to have a, a, an ID to prove you're an American citizen. And two, you have a paper ballot. But I don't right? understand. Wait, wait. I, I'm sorry. Let's just let's just ground ourselves in reality for a moment. You go in with your voter ID, right, with yep. your state ID or even your passport, and you go in to vote. If the Russians change the, your voter registration and you have to file a provisional ballot that never gets counted, that's a major problem. Or removed from the roll. Absolutely. Yep. There's sorry, no question. Eric, the, thank the, you very much. You got, you got your registration. We got to break. That's we got to break. Thank you, do. Bruce. Your call screener is marvelous. Listen, thank you very much. Your call was good. You got you got your quarters worth. Thanks for joining us tonight. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine. When we come back, we're going to talk about one of the uh, pardons or the computations, commutations, computations, whatever it is uh, that the president made this past week. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy the right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack and we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. One of the roles that the president has, which he uh, relishes, and that is uh, being able to pardon and commute people uh, who are in prison or who have had uh, convictions. And he did that this past week, and Michael Milken uh, uh, was a recipient of that, as was Eddie DeBartolo, former head of the uh, uh, San Francisco 49ers, and uh, Bernie Carrick, former police chief of New York. And, of course, the one that got the most publicity, uh, at least for those living in Illinois, was Rod Blagojevich, the convicted uh, governor of Illinois, uh, who was become a Trumpocrat, and uh, when he got out after serving eight years in prison, uh, there was a lot of publicity surrounding Rod Blagojevich because he's very much of an animated media creature, and uh, he was sailing along giving interviews, and the other evening he decided to accept an interview from uh, uh, Anderson Cooper over at CNN, and uh, he'd probably like to have that decision back, and we're going to play a short clip of the interview between Rod Blagojevich and Anderson Cooper on CNN last week. I am a political prisoner. I was put in prison for practicing Wait a minute, you're a political politics. prisoner? See, Nelson Mandela was a political prisoner. Poli political prisoners have no due process and are unjustly jailed. You had a jury convict you. You had appeals courts look at your, your sentencing, uh, and you even, try, you even appealed to the Supreme Court twice, and they refused to hear you. So 
you're hardly a political prisoner. Well, first of all, Nelson Mandela went to, uh, before a court. He was convicted in, in, in a court of law. I had nearly eight years to read books. Right, by a racist apartheid government. That's correct. And not but a I jury bet you of his if you peers. Would ask him, and I bet you if you were to ask Nelson Mandela whether he thought the process was fair back in the early 60s in South Africa, he would say what I'm saying today, and that Sir, is the portraying, shocking fact. I, I, I just got to stop you. I'm sorry. As someone who's worked in South Africa yes. and saw apartheid, the idea that you are comparing yourself to uh, somebody who has actually <clears> been <throat> railroaded by a, an apartheid system um, is just nuts and, frankly, like offensive. Well, for, no, you're the one making the comparison, not me. I didn't bring up Nelson Mandela. You did. Right. You're, I'm, you're I'm saying, like saying that him, I'm a, you were railroaded by a, a an all-white jury who for an oppressive regime? No. No, I hear again, you're putting words in my mouth. I never said that either. Okay. There were there were the, the jury was had you know some representation from from African Americans. No, what I'm saying is that I was thrown in prison and spent nearly eight years in prison for practicing politics, for seeking campaign contributions without a quid pro quo. No express quid pro quo. And if and uh, it got nasty after that. Now, Chris uh, Veronis, you have uh, you have an opinion on the president's uh, commutation of uh, Rod Blagojevich, and you have an opinion on that interview. Um, excessive sentences, uh, prosecutorial zeal has always been an issue, and. You know, and and it's not talked about enough. It really isn't, except when you have cases like this. And I think you could make a case that the sentence was excessive, and that, and really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because this is a constitutional right of the president. He he could commute sentences. It's exactly what he did, and so it's it's sort of uh, and. He will pay a political price, ostensibly too. Um, usually, most presidents wait to the end of their term to do these commutations or pardons. Trump didn't. Um, so that's that. That that's one thing about the commutation. Now, uh, about the interview, um, I, Rod Blagojevich is like the original narcissist. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, with probably a little bit more impulse control than Donald Trump. Um, was on Celebrity Apprentice as well. And, and he got fired by yes. Donald Trump. Um, I, we're not learning anything new for him to come on. And, right. you know, uh, really, the, the argument's been made that if Trump was just ignored on Twitter for a week, you'd completely defang him. I don't know what we gained by giving Rod Blagojevich a perch, sure. a jailbird, giving a perch. But the thing that really CNN bothered me— gains ratings, I would suspect. The, the thing that bothered me about this segment is the problem with modern-day journalism, with CNN in particular, with Jeff Zucker, the CEO, uh, who, who, whose philosophy on broadcast journalism, he likens it to entertainment, right? And that's why you get these absurd— eight, ten-person panels um, <laughs> on election night and just barking at each other. But Saying that to a four-person panel. What, what you saw what you saw on this segment was Anderson Cooper sneering and smirking, and you didn't even play the part where he was hyperventilating and, and just overflowing all over Rod Blagojevich. Anderson Cooper made himself the story, right. and it's performative journalism. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. It insults the audience. 
Um, how about some cold, dispassionate, hard questions instead of injecting this, you know, just this kind of emotional theater? Um, and, and so, you know, if you look on social media, yeah, Anderson Cooper is getting props, but it, it's just it's just a sad day for journalism when, when the, this hey, is the standard. You, what did you think of the interview? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think a larger discussion is uh, if I'm spending uh, the, la- the next 72 hours after being released from prison, I would, you know, want to spend it with my family and not go on CNN <laughs> and go, you know, make myself uh, available to press. But, you know, that's just go. But that's, you know, it, obviously one issue that is 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 the excessive time he spent in prison. Was that excessive? <clears throat> I, I agree with that. But we, we haven't seen from him just yet is remorse for his behavior. And he's continue on where he left off eight years ago. We're yep. blaming everybody else that they did something to him and not taking some responsibility yeah. for his actions. There, there is 100% an argument to be made about sentencing reform, prosecutorial zeal, stuff that, that Chris talked about. But Blago? Like, he's not, he's not a, a but, good... But we're the, we're the problem, I think. I think we're the people that are saying, hey, if he goes on CNN, we're going to turn on the TV and watch him. If nobody turns on their TV or gives him any attention... Guess what? Nobody else is going to call him on uh, to be a part of their show. But as Chris Verona said, he likes a car crash. This was a pile on on CNN. Our thanks to our guests this evening, our Democrats. They have been Dean uh, Alotis Teotis. Yes, very right. good. Thank you. And Georgia Logothetes. And Chris Verona, our Republican, and Jeff Hama, our Republican as well. We thank you all for being with us. This has been a Jenny B. production produced in association with WCGO. And our thanks to Andrew Marshall and Fritz Goldman for their assistance in the production of this program. Again, next Saturday, there's going to be the South Carolina primary. So we'll be first to respond to that. And then we'll just be a couple of days away from Super Tuesday. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. Chicago.